So it was the summer of 1991, and I was turning 20 years old, and I decided I was going to bicycle across the United States. So I did the most logical thing and called Alaska Airlines and asked for a ticket to Nome. <laughs> the kind lady said, there's no roads connecting Nome with the rest of the country. So I got a ticket to Fairbanks starting on August 10th. It was a little late in the season, but I figured I could spend five days getting to the border and make it. <laughs> on the plane ride up here, a couple of folks from Anchorage uh, suggested I go see Denali, so five days turned into ten. On the ride out of Fairbanks to Nanana, all I saw were trees and trees and trees, and I decided there really wasn't anything in Alaska for me. Until a few days later and I met a woman outside of Palmer. <laughs> she had a cabin. She invited me over for tea. Tea turned into dinner, into breakfast. <laughs> and then three weeks later, she said, why don't you spend the winter? Well, I was really looking forward to doing a long bicycle tour and I'd only been riding for a week when I met this woman with the cabin. So I said, I'm not staying in this godforsaken place. And there was snow on Pioneer Peak already, and it was September 10th. So I got on my bicycle, and I headed for Toke and rode through the Canadian border, and it was getting cold. And to save a few days, I decided to take the Cassiar Highway through British Columbia. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, it's 360 miles of unpaved road, or it was at that time, and it's about 100 miles between towns. So one afternoon, this yellow pickup truck with Alaska plates pulls over to the side of the road, and this shady-looking character gets out. Kid, I've been driving this road for 20 years. I have never seen anybody on a bicycle on this road. <laughs> Are you crazy? How about I give you a ride into the next town, buy you a cup of coffee? Well, I wanted to be able to say I rode all the way from Fairbanks to Florida on a bicycle. So I wasn't going to take any rides. He says, well, kid, let me take your picture because my wife's not going to believe this. <laughs> I said, I have to charge you for that. And I was just joking. And the guy gave me five bucks. So... As he gets back in his truck, he hands me a silver business card and says, if you ever want that cup of coffee, let me know. And he drove off into the distance. So over the next month, I drove, or bicycled into Prince George, Vancouver, into Seattle, over Mount Rainier National Park. And that's when the tent started to get ice on it in the morning. And winter was getting very close. And I rode down into Yakima and into eastern Oregon. And one Sunday morning, it was so cold at 6.30 that I had to get out and get on my bicycle because I could not stay in the tent anymore. It was that cold. And I was not bought any food the night before. And I was just looking for a place to get something warm to drink and get some food. And there was snow on the foothills that morning, and nothing was open. And I was thinking I should have stayed with that woman back in Alaska. <laughs> And just then, a yellow pickup truck pulled over with Alaska plates. I thought that was you, kid. You ready for that cup of coffee yet? And I was. 
His name was Lonnie, and I won't tell you his last name. And he uh, put my bike in the back of his truck. He drove me into Pendleton, Oregon, and bought me breakfast. And at breakfast, he told me he had laryngitis, and he couldn't really talk to his customers, but he had some work to do before heading back to Alaska. And if I was willing to help him, he would take me back to Alaska with him. So I called the woman in the cabin and said, is that offer to spend the winter still open? And it was. So over the next two weeks, Lonnie and I sealed driveways, but we only did three jobs. And Lonnie, being a very kind-hearted person, was spending way more money putting us in separate motel rooms and feeding me than we were making doing work. So finally, after two weeks, Lonnie gave up and we headed back to Alaska. Now, the whole time, Lonnie was getting car, uh, calls on his car phone. Now, this was 1991. Almost nobody had a car phone. And he was getting calls from bill collectors. And he was telling these people that he had put the money in the mail. And I'd been with him all day. He hadn't put any money in the mail. <laughs> now, I had money, and I felt kind of bad because Lonnie hadn't asked me for any money. He had invested in me, and that investment wasn't really paying off. So we got to the border, and the folks at the border told us that he had a warrant for his arrest, and we had two hours to get to Toke. I was getting a little nervous at this point. So we got to Toke, and the troopers told us, oh, it was just a big mistake. Sorry, that was a ticket that was paid years ago, and I was a little relieved. And true to his word, Lonnie got me back to Fairbanks, uh, where I spent most of the money I had left to get back to Anchorage to see the woman in the cabin. That night, we got the largest snowstorm I'd ever seen. And uh, the next morning, I grabbed a snow shovel, and I went door to door using a little bit of something I learned from Lonnie. And I started making more money than I ever had, and I started my first business in Alaska. And growing up in Southern California, I'd never felt at home. But in Alaska, I felt at home. And that winter, I made Alaska my home. And so I wanted to repay Lonnie for what he'd done. And so I called the phone number on the business card, and it was disconnected. And I sent a letter to the address on the business card, and it came back as no such address. Well, I'd always wanted to repay Lonnie, but I'd kind of given up on ever seeing him again. And then about four years later, I was in line at a convenience store, and I heard that unmistakable voice behind me. And I turned around, and I went up to him. He says, is that you, kid? It was. I says, I've been trying to get a hold of you. He says, oh, well, just call me. And he hands me a silver business card. And I had very little money on me at the time, or I would have given him a bunch. And I went home that night and called the number, and it was disconnected. And I went back and looked at the business card I had in my journal, and it was the same business card. <laughs> so I didn't even try the address again. Uh, so I almost saw Lonnie by 24 hours, a couple of hours, a couple of years later, he came into a store I was working at and bought a couple of trucks. And I saw his last name on the log when I came in and tried to get his contact information. Well, the contact information he'd given them was no good either. <laughs> in 2002, I was driving through Spinard and I saw that little yellow pickup truck in front of the Paradise Inn. And I ran into the front counter. I said, what room's Lonnie in? And she told me, and it, I confirmed it was him. I ran to the bank. I withdrew a wad of cash, and I came back, and I knocked on his door, and, is that you, kid? And it was, and he had had a really bad day. His wife had been medevaced. Now, Lonnie was old, 
I don't know how he was still having children, but his wife was medevaced down to down to Fair uh, down from Fairbanks the night before having complications with I don't one of his children's pregnancy. So anyway, I took that wad of cash out and gave it to Lonnie and thanked him and hugged him for helping me find a home in Alaska. And I haven't seen him since. <laughs>